man, <laughs> if I told my wife that, I'm not sure what would happen to me, but it would not be good. I'm going to show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does the sun set high? Does the sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. What is up, happy lifers? Halloween is done. I hope you had a safe one. Hope you got a year's worth of candy. And I hope that you didn't engulf it in one evening. I've got one friend who tells their kids, you can have as much candy as you want, but in an hour, it's all going away. And they just binge, and then they throw the whole thing away. I have some other friends who, you know, they, they ration out the candy throughout the weeks and year or whatever. I actually heard uh, this year from a happy lifer that that there is a machine out there, a vending machine of some sort. I don't know. Uh, let me know if you've heard of this before. But um, it <laughs> it's a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup machine, and you can trade in your candy for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. <laughs> My chiropractor, Millennium Valley Chiropractic, uh, they actually have a, a bowl out where they, you know, they say you can trade in your Halloween candy, get rid of the candy, because sugar's not high on their list, and because sugar's pretty, you know, it's pretty bad. So they let kids come in and, and give all their candy to them if they want. I, I don't remember if they give something back or not, but you made it through. At least I hope you made it through. If you're listening to this, then you then you made it through. So now it's on to Thanksgiving. I can't believe that they're already advertising for Christmas. Is it just me, or does this seem to be, like, ahead of schedule? I mean, this this is crazy. I mean, Halloween wasn't even done, and they're already putting up. My wife went to go get Halloween candy uh, before Halloween, obviously. And, of course, now's the time to go buy it. You can get it cheap, huh? But just don't use it for next year, okay? (laughs) Um, Anyway, she went to go get some Halloween candy, and... uh, they were already putting it off the side and clearing away for Christmas decorations. So I'm like, wow. But it's time to put away the Halloween decorations. It's time to put away the skeletons. Not hard for me to put away the Halloween decorations or the skeletons because we really don't have any. We don't really decorate for Halloween. But we've got a few decorations, and I always forget to pull them out of the attic. <laughs> I mean, we've got some really cool Halloween uh, mugs that we, you know, we've never used, and we got them from Starbucks a long time ago. And but I always forget to bring them out. So for me to put away my Halloween decorations doesn't take a whole lot. And for me to put away skeletons, even when I was younger, didn't take a whole lot because skeletons were kind of taboo. In fact, when I was growing up in church, um, Halloween was kind of a taboo holiday. But now they have things like trunk or treat or they do their um, their holiday bazaars or their harvest festivals, which is really just a fancy name for Halloween. But they, they like to take a lot, out a lot of the scary stuff, you know, which I understand where they're coming from. Um, but, but growing up, you know, skeletons, it wouldn't have been hard for me to put them away because we never pulled them out. Uh, skeletons were taboo. Skeletons represented death and uh, we wanted to celebrate life. But you know what? Skeletons also represent life. I think it's all a perspective that you look at it. Now I know during Halloween time, you got skulls and skeletons and, and they're supposed to represent, you know, graves and death and stuff like that. But why not flip it? I mean, I had somebody ask me in one of our, uh, live casts. 
uh, the other day, you know, is it okay for Christian to celebrate Halloween? And, you know, I know it's taboo for a lot of churches and a lot of Christians to celebrate Halloween. So, but it's funny to me that they'll just change the naming of it. They'll call it Harvest Festival or whatever, you know, the very fact that it's called Halloween, which is two German words for hallow or holy or separate sanctified evening in it was a holy night and and somewhere down the road someone came along and hijacked that terminology so now it represents a lot of death but i'm like why can't we take the skeletons and make them represent life again because the skeleton is life man it's it's a living organ just like everything else in your body is i mean every seven to ten years we get a new skeleton I mean, a skeleton will put out billions of cells. No lie, no exaggeration. They put out billions of cells every day, every day. The skeleton is life, and it's not just life. The skeleton um, also helps us with life. The skeleton, what it's really there for is to harbor, to protect, and take around ourselves, our spirit, our our brain, our heart, and also to get us from one place to another. I mean, I've been accused many times of being anti-structure. Uh, I'm not anti-structure. I mean, I'm just anti-structure that says this is the only way that it can be, or anti-structure that has gotten so rigid. I mean, I'm getting to that point now where my brain still thinks I'm 20 or 30, and my body thinks I'm 80. And there's a happy medium in there, but I try to do things that my body will not let me do. Why? Because my skeleton, my structure has become older. It's become brittle. It's not as flexible anymore. I mean, I swear, I, I, I'll pull a muscle just watching one of my nieces or my nephew or whatever do do, do activities. My nieces do um, the splits. I'm like, ouch, that, that hurts me just watching. Because my skeletal, my structure, my skeletal system, my skeleton is, is getting older and it's dying more and more every day. I mean, it represents life, yes, but it's also getting older and it's getting more brittle. It's getting more rigid. And so I'm not against structure, but structure needs to adapt. The point of the structure is to take care of the heart, to protect it, to protect the brain, to protect all of our vital organs, and to get us from point A to point B. That's the point of the, of the skeleton. That's the point of structure. But we've put the cart in front of the horse. We have made it about the structure. A lot of people still struggle with the skeleton and, and, and putting the skeletons away and pulling the skeletons out for for Halloween, but honestly, they embrace the skeletons. I mean, what I mean by that is we often make it about the structure and not about the heart. It's not about the brain anymore. It's not about the spirit of the thing. It's about the structure of the thing. For instance, if God were to show up on earth today like he did 2,000 years ago, when he showed up, he, he set the, the religious system on its ear. He started saying, you guys do it this way, but he never did it that way. And it really bothered a lot of those in, in those positions. I think the same thing would happen today, honestly, if, if Jesus showed up and said, um, I don't want to meet on Sunday mornings. I don't want to have church services. What? No church service? Are you kidding me? We'd be up in arms. If a pastor decided, you know, I felt like God said not to play music this Sunday, not to do musical worship. Worship is a lifestyle. We know that. But we still call Sunday morning, we call that a worship service. We call it worship. But worship is so much more than singing songs or listening to songs. It's it's really how we live our life. And a lot of us sing the songs really well, but then we live our lives really poor. And that really isn't worship. It's It's just singing songs. But if a pastor or a worship leader felt led, like God said, I don't want to do music today. You know, I know Matt Redman, who wrote wrote the, the song, The Heart of Worship. He, he wrote that song after a year worth of their, their, their church not having any music at all. No worship at all. Because God said, stop. You're worshiping 
worship. You're worshiping the skeleton. They went without music, and then for a year or so, and then after that, they broke that whole thing off with the song "The Heart of Worship," where the where the first words of it, when the music fades. When the music fades. When the music fades. And all is stripped away. And I simply come. And this thing that we call following after God, becoming believers of of Jesus, um, this thing is about that. It's about friendship with God. It's about God's love. It's about his peace. It's about having a relationship with God. But a lot of us have made it more about the Sunday morning service and making sure we read the Bible the correct way at the correct time at the correct amount of time. And we've, we've majored in the minors. We've, we, we started worshiping this, even though we don't like the skeleton, we have fallen in love with the skeleton. And it's really not about the skeleton. The skeleton is simply there to support the real thing, the heart, the love, the brain, who Jesus is, the fact that God wants to have a relationship with us. In fact, there's this book out called um, Fearfully, and wonderfully made. It was written by a a Christian author and a surgeon, uh, Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey. It was written about 35, 40 years ago, something like that. And it's basically uh, the surgeon, a surgeon looks at the human and the spiritual body because when God made our physical body, it represents what's going on in the spiritual world because God calls believers the body of Christ. We are called his body. So we find a lot of clues in how the human body is made. That's where I got a lot of this information about the structure. It, it's if, if God were to show up and say, I don't want to meet on Sunday mornings, cancel Sunday morning service, we would be up in arms. People would be, I mean, look what we did with a Starbucks red cup, right? We, we went crazy because Starbucks went with a red cup and they're not even believers. They're just a company that sells coffee, but we got all up in arms because they changed their cups. Seriously. I mean, how many church splits have happened? When I was growing up, it was happening all the time. Church was splitting because of the color of the carpet that they picked to put in or because the, they some decided to take a picture off the wall. Those are signs of we've made it about the structure and not about the heart of the whole thing. For instance, and as I'm reading in this, in this book, um, I came across something really cool. Um, you know, the Ten Commandments are looked on as some negative thing, and we make it all about the Ten Commandments. But honestly, um, the Ten Commandments are there for a pretty cool reason. I mean, when I read from this book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, by Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey, um, on page 84, it says this, The first four of the Ten Commandments are rules governing a person's relationship to God himself. Have no other gods before me right? The second one is don't worship idols. Uh, the other one is don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? These are all the commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, holy, right? Um, don't keep it holy, but keep it holy. I suppose if you're Norwegian or Scandinavian, you can keep it holy, but um, anyway, keep it holy. Um, but as he says here in, in, in the book here, uh, page 84, he says, as I contemplate these once forbidding commandments, uh, you can't do this, you can't do that, um, But he says, as he contemplated these once forbidden commandments, more and more they sound like positive affirmations. Check this out. He said, what if God had stated the same principles this way? This is an example of the cart in front of the horse, majoring in the minors, making it about the skeleton instead of about the heart, making it about the structure instead of the actual real thing. Like the first commandment, you know, have no other gods before me. What if God had stated the principles this way? What if he said, I love you so much that I will give you me? 
I mean, God is saying, you get it? I'm the God of the universe and I give you me. I am your true reality. The only God you will ever need. In me alone, you'll find wholeness. You're not going to find it in anything else. So I am God. So having other gods before me really means you can have me and you can have all of me as much as you can handle and I will bring you that completeness. Wow, now that's what I'm talking about. God is saying, you can have me. That's what it's really about. It's about having God, having a friendship with the God of the universe. That is crazy. And I would substitute that for making sure that I do everything the correct way and a bunch of rules and regulations. I don't have a problem with the rules and regulations in the same way. I don't have a problem with with structure. But when we make it about the structure, we make it about the rules. The rules are really there to get us closer to God, to get us to fall in love with God more. Like, thou shalt not worship any graven image. Thou shalt not worship idols. What if God is really saying, I want to give you a personal relationship with me and you? Um, You don't need inferior representations of me, such as dead wooden idols. You can have me value that. What about don't take the Lord's name in vain? What if he's really saying, I love you so much that I've given you my name as yours. You will be known as my people, God's people on the earth. Value that. Value that privilege. Don't misuse it by profaning your new name or not living up to it. But honor the name. I'm giving you my name. We're the body of Christ. We're also the bride of Christ. So you can also find a lot of illustrations when you look at marriage, healthy and unhealthy. When you look at courtship, healthy and unhealthy. When you look at dating, healthy and unhealthy. You can see how God is really trying to use that to say, that's like you and me and our relationship, right? What about... um, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, made it all about don't do this, don't you dare do this. And Jesus shows up and he starts doing things like healing people on the Sabbath. They love the structure, they love the skeleton so much that they miss the very heart. What Jesus himself showed up and they missed him because they were in love with the skeleton and they become so brittle and hard in their ways, this is the only way to go, that they were no longer flexible. They could no longer grow to the heart that God wanted to increase inside of them, increase in their world. So it wasn't just about not working on the Sabbath. What if it was really about, I have given you and created a beautiful world for you to work in, to play in. I have made this world for you to enjoy. But when you spend so much time at it being so busy, um, your bodies need the rest. Your, your spirits need the reminder. Your happy goes away. The joy goes away. The peace goes away when all you do is work, 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 work. I also want you to play, 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 play. And so we, we've put in the cart in front of the horse. We've made it about the skeleton. But I say it's time to put the skeletons away. This thing is about God loves me and he's got a plan for my life. Yes, there needs to be structure, but it's not about the structure. It's about the heart of the matter. It's about knowing who God is. It's about hearing God's voice and developing a friendship with him. It's about being in love with Jesus, with God. It's about God's spirit living inside of us. It's, it's, it's not about making sure that I attend this service and I read the Bible every morning at this time for this long. And, and then I got to make sure that I pray so many hours every day. And I've got to, it's not about that. We do those things to fall in love with Jesus. We do those things to become closer to him. It'd be like me saying, well, you know what? You know, I read all the books on marriage and dating. And when you get married, you stop having dates. So I suppose, babe, we need to have dates. I mean, whether we want to do it or not, we're going to do it. And how many times have I done that? 
I've gone to church service. I don't really want to go, but I, that's what you got to do. I've read the Bible. Well, I don't really want to read the Bible, but that that's what I got to do. You know, and people say, well, sometimes you do. You got to do what you got to do, right? I get that. I understand that. I'm not completely going against that, but I'm saying if, if I take my wife out on a date and I'm like, babe, I know we don't really want to go on a date, but it's what we got to do. I mean, there's times where my wife and I are tired, uh, so then we make the date about being at home, right? But if I read the books and say, it's about going on a date, so babe, I'm sorry, we're going on a date, and we're gonna get, I'm going to give you the best hour of the day, which means we're going to wake up an hour earlier, we're going to spend that hour together, and then how many times have I finished my devotions or finished the prayer meeting, and I went, oh, that wasn't so bad, that didn't seem like an hour at all. Man, <laughs> if I told my wife that, I'm not sure what would happen to me, but it would not be good. Hey, babe, that didn't even seem that bad at all. Our date, thanks, man. That didn't even seem like two hours. Man, that was, I guess, maybe we should try this again. Are you kidding me? It's not about dating. It's about loving. And dating is only the skeleton to help me to connect with my wife so that I can love my wife more, to help me hear my wife and see what she's going through and feel what she's going through so I can have a better relationship with her. And that's the way it is with Jesus. Don't fall in love with the skeletons. Put the skeletons away. The skeletons can often represent death, but if you use them in conjunction, they're connected with the heart and the blood flows through the bones and the bones, they, they work in tandem with each other. They're not separate from each other. They're part of the same thing. But when we remove the skeleton from the heart, when we remove the skeleton from the brain, that's when it becomes dead. That's when it represents death, when it's a skeleton all by itself. And that's what the Bible talks about when it says having the form of godliness, but denying its power. That's a skeleton. You connect a skeleton with a heart, it's powerful. We can do things when we're connected to the heart and to the brain. Okay, But when you take the skeleton, you remove it from the very heart of the essence, from the spirit that's in, that, that it's supposed to help protect and, and move around, um, it becomes dead. It becomes nothing. There's, there's no power to it at all. And Second Timothy 3, 5 says, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. I like how it, it puts it in the NIRV. It says, they will act as if they were serving God, but what they do will show that they have turned their backs on God's power, have nothing to do with these people. So that's a, that's a pretty powerful statement right there. And, and what, what it's really saying is that it's not about the skeleton. When I say put the skeleton away, maybe I should say put the dead, dry skeleton away, but let's build a new skeleton inside of us, you know? Like I said, a new skeleton is formed in every one of us every seven to 10 years because the skeleton is always building up billions of cells every day. That's the point. Imagine if our bones never got old. Imagine if, if, and obviously that's not possible yet, but that's why, you know, you see all the movies about looking for the fountain of youth and people spent their lives looking for the fountain of youth because they didn't want to get old because they wanted their, if their skeleton stays young, man, my heart is young. And my brain is young, and uh, I, I prefer childlike and not childish, but that's up for debate. Ask my wife, and never mind, don't ask my wife. But <laughs> um, the the problem with me getting old is my body's getting rigid. My, my skeleton is getting old, and I can't do the things that my brain can still do because my body won't allow me because the structure didn't change. It, it got older, and, and let's get rid of that that the death. Let's focus on what's really important, which is knowing God and having a friendship with God and, and doing what God wants you to do and hearing his voice. And these things don't make it about something that it's not about. The skeleton is supposed to be connected. We don't get rid of the skeleton altogether. So when I'm saying get rid of the skeletons and put the skeletons away, let's put the old skeletons away that, that haven't been connected to the heart of the situation for a long time. 
I'm talking personally now. I'm, I'm talking about, I just want to know God and make him known. That's the heart of the matter. When we get to heaven, he's going to say, come in to heaven, or he's going to say, depart, because I never knew you. It's about knowing him. That's the real issue here. Don't make it about something else. We need to have structure. We need a skeleton, but that skeleton needs to be connected to the heart and the heart needs to be connected to the skeleton. The skeleton needs to be connected to the spirit. Then the skeleton is morphing as my, you know, my children get older, their, their skeleton grows with them, right? If it didn't grow with them, we got a problem here. Your skeleton needs to grow when your heart gets bigger. When my brain gets bigger, my skull better get bigger to host that brain in it and to protect it. When my heart and my lungs and everything about me gets bigger, my skeletal system better get bigger to help support that and protect that or I'm in trouble. And that's what I'm saying. If we're going to have skeletons and we need to have that structure, make sure it's alive. Make sure we focus on what's really important. Jesus wants us to have a relationship. He gave himself to us. He gave us his name. He gave us his presence. He gives us his love every day. And he just waits for us to receive that. Don't make it about something it's not. Put those decorations, those skeletons away. Connect your structure to the heart of the matter. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. And God wants to use you to help other people. Now that is the heart of the matter. And that is what we need to be focusing on and developing. Thanks for listening. I hope that helped. Steve Ace.